The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Hey, I, I, uh, I tend to believe that sometimes we make things more complicated than they need to be, don't, don't we? And so we started this series just, just looking at the simple, the simple truths, right? What is this Christian life all about? Jesus summed up the entire Old Testament. It's a big book. <laughs> it's a collection of a lot of big books. And then he summed the whole thing up and he said this, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, as we hear, heard right here, and love your neighbor as yourself. So what I want to, I want to look at these, a few different commands and, and, and really kind of what they're all about. The first one is this, love God, right? Love God. And what is loving God all about? Honestly, I believe it is about surrender, right? Love the Lord, your heart, soul, mind, and strength, every part of who you are. It's, it's, it's how do we do it? We, we give God our complete and full allegiance, right? It is, we give him everything. God, I, I, we come to a point and say, God, I'm no longer in control of my life. Right? And this is really the essence of what salvation is. It's coming to that place where you say, God, I love you so much. I'm going to, I'm going to take myself off the place of being like in control and in charge of everything that happens in my life. And God, I'm, I'm going to give it to you. God, I'm going to love you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength. It, it, it's this place of, of saying, it's not, just, it's not just, God, I'm going to do everything you tell me to do. And it's not just, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop doing all the things you tell me not to do. Loving God is about coming to the place where you say, God, what are your preferences? Right? What are your preferences? God, I, I want to order my life around the things that you value, not just that you command. God, I, 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 my whole thing, my attitude, the way that I process things, the way that I view other people, every single aspect of my life is yours to rearrange. It's kind of an intimidating um, proposition, isn't it? Hey, we come to God and say, God, it's all yours. It's complete surrender. But as we do that, for those of us who've, who've received that gift of salvation, who've, who, who've, who've surrendered our life to God, who really entered into that relationship with God, our Father, he then says, which we came to, love your neighbor. And loving your neighbor is really about mercy, right? That's, that's the whole story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus said, who's the one that was a neighbor? And, and the teacher of the law, really the one who was trying to trick Jesus, trip Jesus up, he's the one that said, well, it's really the one who showed mercy to him. And Jesus says, yep, that's what loving your neighbor is all about. Loving your neighbor is about mercy. And how do we do that? It's, it's about giving up our time, giving up our talent, giving up our treasure. It's about giving up all of the resources that we have, the material ones and the immaterial ones, in order to show mercy to those around us. So I, I want you to think about this. Jesus, Jesus taught this more than once in his ministry, okay? And yet then he comes, we come to the, towards the end of Jesus' life and all of the disciples are there around the table and Jesus kind of gave his, his, uh, his incognito tip to, to Judas, like, hey, if you're gonna betray me, now's the time, go, go do your thing. Judas gets up and he leaves. And then Jesus is there around the Last Supper. The disciples didn't know it was the Last Supper, but Jesus did. He, they're sitting around the table. I, I believe around it, probably not all on the same side as the picture depicts, right? But they're, they're sitting around the table and 
And, uh, and Jesus, Judas leaves. And so he's got his 11. He's got this, these 11 guys that are committed to him, his best friends. They're there for him. This, these are the ones that are the followers of Jesus. And he says this to him. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Isn't this kind of interesting? Okay, so these followers of Jesus who know that Jesus said on multiple occasions, the greatest commandments are love God and love your neighbor, is now saying, hey guys, I have a new command. Love one another. Do you think any of them were like, wait, what? <laughs> Jesus, that's not even remotely new. Jesus, you, this is like, the, like what your whole ministry is about. This is what you've come to show. You showed up and you taught us to love and you showed us what it looked like. But he says it's new. What's new about this command? Here's the deal. I used to always think it was just the standard by which he measured it, right? First, it's love your neighbor. And what's the standard he uses to, to talk about that kind of love? As you love yourself, right? So, so the, the time, the talent, the treasure that you normally spend on yourself, I want you to, to give it away to anybody, anybody, because I love them that much. But then we see throughout Scripture, and we're going to look at a couple of other places here in a moment. We see throughout Scripture this teaching from Jesus where he actually gives a, a, a level of love and commands a level of love that's one step up in intensity from even loving your neighbor with everything you have. Think about who's the one another. Is it all humankind? I don't think so. Um, and this is why. He's sitting around a table with 11 people. Picture it. He's sitting around a table with, around, with 11 people his closest friends, his closest followers. He knows in a matter of hours, he's going to be arrested and he's going to leave. In fact, he just tells them, right? The statement before this is like, hey guys, I'm gonna go be with my father. I know you don't understand this stuff right now, but just trust me. And then he says, this is what I want you guys to do while I'm gone. And he looks around the table and I can just picture him looking into the, the face of each of those 11 guys. And he says, guys, listen, I want you to love one another. And he doesn't say like you love yourself because that makes my capacity the standard of love. He says, I want you to love one another, guys, right here. I want you to love one another the way that I love you. And you know what they would have understood if they got this at all in the moment? What they would have understood is just, I don't know, an hour or two earlier, Jesus just got down on his knees, humiliated himself, and washed the feet of all of his followers. And so I want you to love like that. But what they didn't understand is that in a number of hours, he was going to actually lay down his life on the cross for their salvation. In fact, Jesus is, is, is saying this, love one another, listen, love one another, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Like he's looking at these guys going, like, this is it. You have to do this. If you're gonna do anything right now, I'm about to go, but you need to understand this message. You guys have to love each other. And then he does a little bit more teaching and he goes on and then he comes back not very long later, just in, in, uh, in chapter 15, just a couple chapters over, he says this. My command is this, 15, 12, and 13. Love 
each other as I have loved you. And then he talks about, he gives them a, a sample, just a taste that I'm sure they didn't understand until after the fact when they went back and remembered it. He said, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Listen, we're, we're commanded to love God. It is all about surrender, all about giving up our allegiance. All, my life is completely his. Then we're commanded to love your neighbor, which is all about mercy and giving our resources to show mercy. But then Jesus gives us this new command. Love one another. Love one another is all about family. It's all about giving our life. This is how we do it. We give our life. Now listen, this is, this is what's really interesting. The love your neighbor as yourself part is a love that is greater than most of us are willing to give at any given time, right? Anybody still have a little bit of room to grow in the area of loving complete strangers to the capacity that you give an entire day and your income and your talents and your resources to just go pay their hospital bills? I've got some work to do, okay? And yet, Jesus doesn't encourage, doesn't, doesn't give a, a tip. He commands a love that is even a greater intensity than that. He says love one another. What he's saying is this, love the family of believers. Now listen, maybe if, if you're here today and you're not, you haven't made that commitment to follow Jesus, uh, and, and maybe you've got a lot of different pictures in your head of what that looks like. Maybe you've seen some things that look anything other than love. Can I just, can I just encourage you? Don't let someone not following Jesus well prevent you from really tasting and experiencing what God's love is really all about. Okay. But for those of us who, who say, I'm a part of the family, listen, listen to the intensity, listen to the, the, the passion, listen to the conviction of Jesus. Hours before he goes to the cross, the message that he keeps saying over and over again is, guys, you gotta love each other. You gotta love it. And just in case you, you're, you're thinking maybe he means broader than this, all, all people, you know what happened? So, so he, he's there, he's like, love one another, love one another, love one another. Like I've loved you, lay your life down for one another. This is the greatest, you gotta love one another. And then when he goes to the garden of Gethsemane and he's there and he's praying and John is recording his prayer in John chapter 17. This is the word of Jesus, not to his disciples, but now to his father. In John 17, verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Who's that? That's me. That's you. If you if put your faith in Christ, Jesus is praying specifically for you. And right before he goes to the cross, what do you think his prayer is? Man, I pray that they'd be so holy that they'd never sin. I pray that, that they would pray and go to church every Sunday and never miss. I pray that, you know, we could fill in the blanks with other things. I pray that they would read their Bible every single day. This is what he prayed for. That all of them may be one, Father. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. Verse 23, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Here's this interesting thing. We're called to love our neighbor, but there is this message that started with Jesus and it moves throughout the, through the church 
that says, listen, you're supposed to love at a capacity that you're barely even capable of doing. And yet when you enter into this relationship with God, the father, we can't forget that we also enter into a relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen, Jesus called you a brother and you a sister, which is just humbling, isn't it? Which also means that you and I, we're brothers and sisters in this thing. And it's sad to me, and I believe it's really sad to God, when, when those of us who have one heavenly father can pay more attention to our differences and our worship style preferences or, or pay more attention to our, our certain interpretation of prophetic passages than we can to the unity around the fact that we have the same dad. Jesus has called us. He's called us to love. And he says, yeah, 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 I want you to love everyone, okay? That doesn't take away from the stranger. Love them with everything you've got. But there ought to be a certain extra notch that we just kind of turn it up when it comes to loving the family of God. In fact, Paul addresses that as well. Listen to what Paul says. He says, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, okay? Love your neighbor as yourself. But it says, especially to those who belong to the family of believers, right? Does that mean... We, we have to discard one to love one uh, at an extra level? No. It means that there is an extra calling because we're family. Verse, uh, or 1 Thessalonians 4.10, Paul says to that church there, he says, in fact, you do love all of God's family. <laughs> family Sunday, you gotta love it, right? It's like somebody's coming after me. <laughs> Oh, he's coming back for more. All right. We press on. We press on. He says, in fact, you do love all of God's family. Listen, he's always speaking to a, to a church that's doing it well. You do love all of God's family, yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. He's like, yeah, great. You're loving each other. Fantastic. You're loving the whole family. This is great. But guess what? There's more for you. Listen, if you need a, if you need a way to think about it, let me just put it like this. Maybe this will help, help you. When we think of being a part of the family of God, we think of this global church, all Christians everywhere, we serve one father. Isn't it? It's a cool picture, right? That can be a picture of our extended family, right? And we're, there's some extended family that you see here and there, right? Some extended family you see once a year or once every five, right? There's some extended family that you're like, you get together like, hey, uncle so-and-so, hey, good to see you, right? And we, there's something about, have you ever met another Christian who is maybe from a different worship tradition, maybe from a different culture, and you're like, we're so different, but you know what? Like, there's this bond thing. Man, there's this love here. Have you ever experienced that? Maybe somebody that, that other than that, maybe they have a completely different political perspective than you do. Or maybe they have a completely different perspective on something else, and you're like, we're so different in so many ways, and yet, you know what? We got the same dad and there's a bond. It's one of the most beautiful things you can experience. And as, as beautiful as that is, here's the, here's the thing that I think we really need to, and I know I'm preaching the choir here, you're in church on Sunday, I get it. But here's the thing that's really cool is that God intended it for us not just to live with this theor theoretical picture of this giant extended family, but God has given us uh, an immediate family. 
God's given us an immediate family called the local church. And, and he designed you and I to live and function within this family. You know, we, we call this Family Sunday because all the kids are in. You got the kids and all, all the, whatever, the different generations. I think it's kind of fun. But maybe you came in today and your family's not here. Um, in fact, this was, this, was, this was sweet. Where's Grandma Jay? Where's she at? Where, Grandma, Grandma Jay, where are you? What? There you I was looking right past Grandma Jay. No, we, Grandma Jay, tomorrow is her birthday. And so, yeah. I hope I don't embarrass you, but you know what? I, you're a good sport. I think you'll get over it. Um, but, but, but Grandma Jay and our team huddle today, our serve team, we meet together uh, in the mornings. Uh, she, you know, we're celebrating family and all that. And she said, you know what? I don't have any family with me today. Uh, but she said, you know, this church, this church is my family. And so for all of you who are here today, maybe your family isn't with you. I, I've had, we've had seasons in our life where we were adopted by the church we were at. That we, didn't just, we weren't just church members together. We were family. And, uh, you know, not every one of us can have the intimacy of closeness of relation. We can't all spend every meal together. But listen, God designed you to live within the, 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 the life of family. And I don't know what your personal family is like. Maybe it's a mess. Maybe it's solid. Maybe it's somewhere in between. But God designed you and created you to live within community. And he's, he's brought this whole community of faith together. And he's, he's called us family. You know, I hear some people, I don't, I, well, man, they're not family to me. They're, they're not there for me. They're not, listen, it doesn't matter what you feel like. Like, sorry, like I, I value your feelings, right? That, that, that matters, but it really, in some constraints, but if I say, ah, oh, my kids are being obnoxious, like they're out of, I don't even view them as family. First of all, that'd be really a jerky thing to say. Second, it's just not true. They're still my family. They're my blood. They're, you can't separate that just because I don't want them to be. If, if, if my brother's being obnoxious, I can't be like, man, I don't even want him. To be. It doesn't matter. We share the same parents and it makes us family. So rather than pushing back or looking for my identical twin before I can feel the embrace of family, what if I just said, man, this is the family that God gave me. This is the family that God gave me, and I'm going to choose to relish in it. You know, one of the things that we do so often is we, we, we define whether or not we feel like family based on how we're served and how we're loved. And I understand that everybody is in different places, and there's seasons of life where you just got to receive the love from the family that God has put or placed around you. But listen, the command is not to feel loved by your family, the command is to go love your family at a sacrificial capacity beyond your ability by the help of God. So the question is, what am I doing to love my family? Do, not do I feel loved today, but do the people around me feel the love of the family because I'm their brother, I'm their sister. Are we looking at people when we gather together on Sunday mornings, when we gather together in our house churches, are we looking around and saying, man, how can I make sure the people around me know that they are loved, know that I'm a brother who's gonna stand up for them? It's not about how am I feeling, it's about taking initiative and saying, I'm gonna be the love of Jesus. I'm gonna be the, the family of God to somebody who needs it today. 
This is Family Sunday, and Family Sunday, we love to celebrate the actual immediate blood and marriage family. But we also realize that God has placed us right here in this moment today to be a church family together, that we would grow in love with one another and support for one another. Now, here's, here's, the, here's the last thing I'm going to share. I'm going to have um, keys coming this time. Here, here's something so crazy, is that we live in this very upside-down kingdom of God kind of world. You, you ever, you've noticed this, right? Like, this isn't new. You've noticed this. The kingdom of God is so, like, bizarre. It makes no sense, right? Jesus says, or oh, let me just put this. If you want to be something great, you can read a thousand books. What do you want to be great at? There are books written on how you can be great. And Jesus says, I'll tell you how to be great. You become the least. Wait a second. That doesn't seem like that would work very well. <laughs> you want to be first. You want to be the top of your class. You want to be absolute first. Jesus says, I got a way. Oh, there's books written about how you can be first. How about taking that next step? How about being assertive about going out? Jesus says, I know how to be first. Just be the last. Trust me. Like that doesn't make any sense. He says things like, man, I want to make sure I am uh, materially and financially secure. Like, okay, I'm going to savings and invest things and put all that. And Jesus says, how about this? How about you just give everything you have away? How about you, you view the things that you have as being a steward of somebody else's possessions and none of it belongs to you? How about you just give 10% of the first of everything you have, give it away, then start to giving more out of that and then see what you have left over to live on. And trust me, your life will be more full. Like, it doesn't make any sense. You want to be able to get a whole bunch of work done in your week because you're overwhelmed. He says, how about you take one day off and do no work and you'll do more in six than you will in seven. It makes no sense. That's just the kingdom of God. Here's another one. Here's another one. If we want to win the world for Jesus, we want to make disciples and we want to see people saved and we want to see lives changed. Like it, it seems like we should like come up with a, a strategic plan and we should empower all these people. and We should like make these plans and charts and, and send people to different places. And, and, and some of that is all good. In fact, we're going to talk about reaching people as we continue into the book of Acts next week. We're going to keep on talking about it. There's a, there's a place for that. God has given a specific calling to certain people. But you know what the default plan to reach the world is? Jesus said it. Jesus didn't just tell us what to do. He gave us a strategy on how to do it. You know how to reach the world for Jesus? Well, not my words. I'm going to refer to his. Jesus just laid it out before us. It's the verses we are, we've already read. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Who's the one another? It's not the neighbor. It's the, in the, it, it's the church family. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That doesn't make any sense. Maybe that's not what he was talking about. Okay, let's go back to that prayer in the garden. My prayer is not for them, it's for us. He says that all of them, us, may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And then a couple sentences down. Then, then the world will know that you sent me. Yes, I'm not downplaying 
Like, I've given my life to ministry. I've given my life to strategically reaching people for Jesus. And God has called certain people to certain places at certain times to walk through certain doors to take the gospel forward. But listen, as the church, for every single one of us, there is a default strategy in play at all times. If we want to reach the world, it starts by loving one another. It doesn't make any sense. Like we, we hear messages, oh, we gotta get outside of these four walls of the church. Agreed. But listen, if we do it at the expense of loving those inside the four walls of the church, we'll miss it. See, those specific callings are to be layered on top of God's original strategy of love. If you're gonna try to be a missionary and go, but you're gonna do it without love, you're gonna fail. If you want to reach the world without love, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about it really well. He says, here's how, it's not even loving the world, loving the neighbor, that's great. But Jesus says, it's about when we love one another. What if we, the church, were the family that the world was looking for? What if we, the church, were the community that lift each other up in such a way that an unbeliever would say, I, I don't even know about Jesus, but I want that. What if the church, what if the church in our society wasn't known for all the things they stand against, but rather how we stand for one another? Well, I'll tell you what I think. I think people would start getting saved. Sorry, start, that makes it really pessimistic. People are getting saved. People would get saved even faster. This is not our strategy. This is our father's. This is family Sunday, and this is what he said. Love the family. And just watch what God will do. Father God, we praise you and we thank you. We love you because you're a good God. God, you've made it so simple. Love, and yet love is so hard. <laughs> so Father, we, we cho today choose once again to love you, to surrender all that we have to you. God, it's all about you. And in doing so, we, we, we choose today to love our neighbor. God, even if it means rearranging the aspects of our life to make sure we can do that well, God, we're gonna love our neighbor. But God, today, especially, would you help us? Would you show us? Would you teach us how to love one another? That we would no longer major on, on, on our, our, our differences and preferences or perspectives on things that don't save, but rather we would major on the fact that we have one Father who loves us. So God, help us. God, overcome all hurt, heal. God, I pray right now, in Jesus' name, I pray for the, those who've been hurt by those who represented your family, your church. God, would you heal hearts? And would you allow forgiveness and freedom to just flood people's hearts and lives even now, God? We can't love with bitterness in our hearts. So God, would you free us and heal us from those places that are still tender and sensitive? Or would you help us to love like you've called us to love? 
I'm loved like you've loved us. God, you are this master architect of your family, the creator and the designer of it all, and we give you praise because your brilliant plan for this world. God, we love you. Father, we thank you for the family, the ones that we have that you've given us on this earth and this church family, this family of believers that Paul talked about, that Jesus talked about, you've given us to do life with. Father, we love you. We praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.